And good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Northland Sports Page. It's Brian Prudhomme. It's Dave Cook. Once again, it's Saturday. Funny how that happens every week. It's Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, Northland Sports Page here with you. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday. We are about to enjoy it with you for the next couple of hours. I get to play roulette with microphones again. Let's see if I've got Dave Cook on the right one. I do. Yes. I knew that was coming, Brian. Doggone it. I knew which one to pick. That was the thing. I was going to say, I saw you stare at both of them, and I just kind of, we always use the phrase, I hope for the best. I absolutely hope for the best. And I saw you look at two microphones sitting right next to each other, and I'm going, pick the left one, pick the left one, pick the left one. Yes. So I'm one for one today. (laughs) I'll take that. I don't know how many more victories we're going to get. Because this is Minnesota, after all. We don't talk about a lot of victories. Not a lot to talk about in the ice world last night. We talked about this was a tough night for hockey, no matter who you root for. Yeah, pretty much everybody went down last night. The uh, Wild, the Gophers, the Dogs, Saints women. It was just like, ugh. Right. So as they say, the sun came up today. It is a new day today. You get Saints Scholastic Hockey tonight as well. Yes, I do. The men will give it a try. The men will give it a shot tonight. They're coming back. Um off one of their best seasons ever. I mean, not counting anything in the 70s, last season was in that top two or three. Right. And they bring back all their scoring punch. They have to make sure their goaltender situation is set, but their defense looks good. Uh, it looks like the new new people are good. We've got a good goalie. We've got some French Canadians that are that are coming. We, we, we cornered the market on some twins. good imports. We cornered the market on twins. We've got two sets now. All right. Um, and so it'll be real interesting to see you know, how, how this new – Dave Williams has done a good job so far of, of turning pieces into soup, right? And Well, now it's the time to do it again. And, of course, you could count that border battle round one because it is Viking Packer week, but tonight's opponent for the Saints men, none other than UWS. UWS, yep. And so that's – What did you just say? UWS. What was in that cup you just – UWS. They're playing UWS tonight. That's, that's 100% true. That's who they play. That is correct. Seven so bells at uh, Mars. Let's go. So it's Yellow Jackets and Saints trying to salvage something on the ice because Dave alluded to it. Bad night for UMD men. Good night, we should say, for UMD women. They did get a victory against Bemidji. But the gopher men, I snickered, but at the same time, I'm not going to call myself a Badger fan. If there's one time I can do that, it might be this past couple of games where the Badgers swept the gophers on the men's side of things. But a weird night in hockey, so we're going to start today talking some basketball, but the NBA season did open this week for the Timberwolves. It wasn't much better than that hockey night last night, though. No, the uh, the Wolves looked very similar to how they looked last year. Absolutely. They, uh, they, you know, again... I, I love Carl Anthony Towns. Like Carl Anthony Towns has been kind of the post that this regeneration of this Timberwolves franchise. He's kind of been the guy, right? But did you see the pass he threw again to, uh, or uh, I don't know, pass is a little strong. The underhanded pass it's, that hit the backboard yes, that he wasn't sure if that one. was a shot or a pass. And yeah. that's, that's exactly the concern is that Cat once again is going to try to do too much um, and throw possessions away like that. It's just like if you want to get the ball to go bare, Give it to Gobert. Quit trying. You know, the Harlem Globetrotters didn't ask you to come for a reason. Right. I think the difficulty with Carl Anthony Towns is when he's in a group that he knows that he's the alpha of the offense, he can do a lot and be okay with trying to do, quote, too much because in certain groups he probably should. The problem is this starting five is good. Didn't look like it back on Wednesday, but this starting five is good. So he gets stuck in between of do I take this myself or do I defer to option X, Y, or Z? And when you do something right in the middle, you get underhand passes off the backboard. Yeah, and so, I mean, and it'll help to have Jaden back uh, because he makes a big difference on their defensive end. But again, 
they didn't they didn't lose because of the defensive end, right? They played actually pretty well. Pretty to decent. some extent, they did because I'll tell you this: the old adage was two big men won't work because you're going to be too slow getting back down the floor, and that's probably true. But the entire unit didn't play transition defense at all, right? But they the the reason that they lost that game wasn't on the defensive end. Like you can't have. Uh, Ant go, what was it, 8 for 22, and you can't have Cat go 6 for 20, and it's just like, oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad you said that because we can, we're going to talk about this in Buy or Sell in a second segment. Dave Hoops is going to play Buy or Sell with us today, but I'm going to let some of the Cat out of the bag here with the NBA topic when we get there because if you look at it from a certain perspective, and we all talk about statistics and how you can spin them, but if you look at it, Anthony Edwards had a double-double. Carl Anthony Towns had a double-double. Rudy Gobert had a double-double. Guess what that means? The double-double might be the most overrated statistic in basketball that's used a lot because I'll tell you this, if Carl Anthony Towns only averages 10 and 10, it's going to be a bad season. If Anthony Edwards only averages 10 and 10, it's going to be a bad season. Not saying that's what they had on Wednesday, but that is a double-double. Yep. That's not going to do enough. Yep, and and again, I know that that rebounding was part of their emphasis. So the fact that you had three guys with double digit rebounds was is, a good thing. Is a really good thing. But you know, when you are so discombobulated in the offensive zone, um, it's the NBA, man. If you, if you can't score, you're going to lose a lot. And so they need to get that. I mean, again, how can we overreact in game one? Of I was going to say, there's only 81 schedule? to go. Um, but they, that part needs to be smoothed out. And I think Jaden helps with that. And he wasn't available, of course, in the opener. We'll see if he's available tonight against the Heat for the home opener. And Carl Anthony Towns, he takes the brunt of the criticism, but he did have a couple moments where he played like a five-year-old again. It was better at times, but there were a couple moments where shots were missed, and you could hear from all the way back down the other side of the court still yelling foul. So Carl Anthony Towns still acts like a five-year-old. Why do I use that adage? Because, Dave Cook, this is our last show as five-year-olds. You and I behave that way a lot. But next Saturday to the day, will be anniversary number six for the Northland Sports page. It's an incredible run. You know, we got we didn't think it was going to last but a couple episodes. We were kind of given the, well, go ahead and see what you can do. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, well, we'll find somebody else. Right. So, so we're worked. pretending at least that it's worked for this long, and we hope it works for much, much longer. But, yes, there was certainly a time where we thought, what if we don't even get a second show? And with the Timberwolves' performance on Wednesday, I think there were a lot of people, whether you're a big fan or not, that said, what if this is the same old Timberwolves? And with that, we're going to continue our what if theme here. We're going to do it for each of the four major men's sports franchises. We started with the Vikes last week. I got to ask Dave Cook, partly because I got a lot. Did you get much feedback on that segment? Because I heard from a lot of people that that was fun, but I also heard you guys stuck with five or 10. You could have gone to 40. I said, wow. I know I said 70 on the air last week. Yeah, I got that too. I heard that part. I heard the, how did you guys choose? Just those because there are so many, um, you know, there have been so many issues and the team's been good the whole time. And right. So well, what was the, I don't know about the whole time, but the majority, the majority, right. Leslie Frazier and Les Steckel. As yeah, long as you have a coach, as long as you have a coach that doesn't have less in his name, you don't get less of a performance as the owner of the Vikings. Wouldn't that be like a parameter? Now? I was going to say it'd be a mantra you have to live yes, by. Yes. So we'll see what the Timberwolves brings about. Now I once again did 10, I did five that will make my top five that will get discussed today, and I did five honorable mentions. But as we did last week, I let Dave start because I want to see if I have what you have somewhere, and then that becomes talker number one. I'm assuming you want to start with your fifth choice. Yeah, I think the fifth choice is the one to start. And my fifth choice is Kevin McHale listens to Dean Smith 
and never drafts Rashad McCants. Wow. Because uh, Dean Smith. And that is a good one. I will say it didn't make my list because of all of their draft flubs. Rashad McCants is on the list, but he's a ways down for me. But he is one of the guys. That draft was one of those linchpin drafts where if it's a good draft, all of a sudden your team is set. And if it's a bad draft, it's probably your need. But if it's a bad draft with a bad guy, with a bad human being that makes your your uh, uh, your locker room kind of gross, it makes it worse. And it sounds like Dean Smith told Kevin McHale flat out, don't that this team draft will kill him. your chemistry. Yep, don't draft him. And McHale flexed. And of course, back then the Timberwolves weren't exactly known for the greatest chemistry anyway. Correct. And this was soon after the Garnett trade, so they had a whole bunch of bit parts, and they brought in the wrong guy. I like that you mentioned KG being traded as well because that didn't make my list, but I'm sure there are a lot of people that would say, what if they never dealt him away? You know, what if he could have led this team to a championship? My number five is draft related, but I wonder if it should be higher because my number five was the Timberwolves were involved pretty high up in maybe the best top three draft we thought was out there. But numbers one and two were worlds better than number three. There was Shaquille O'Neal. There was Alonzo Mourning. And to be fair, there was Christian Leitner, who was college basketball's darling, had been on the dream team, what have you. The Timberwolves should have, playing the numbers, been the odds-on favorite to get the number one pick. In fact, they were, but they didn't get it. They got the number three pick. So my fifth what-if was what if they get Shaq or Zoe instead of Christian Leitner. And I say that as somebody who liked Christian Leitner, but Christian Leitner became a journeyman. The other two are in the Hall of Fame. There's a store, There's a thought about trying to make a decision. And it's all flipping a coin, but it's not how it turns out. The the statement is, if you can't decide between two things, flip a coin, whichever one your brain says, land on heads. That's the one you really want, right? Right. So if it's Shaq or Zoe at that point, if you had the number one pick and you flicked it, who would you have picked? At that point? Yep. Probably Zoe, because you got probably a lot more Zoe. Georgetown love back then than yep. you did LSU. Yep. Hindsight, everybody's taking Shaq, I think. So, all right. So now you know what kind of player Zoe was, yeah. right? Very defensive. Would he have ever turned out like he did in a Timberwolves uniform? Well, it's hard to say because I'll tell you this. The Timberwolves haven't had good centers probably until well, right now. That's coming up, Brian. <laughs> right. All right. So the Shaq, Zoe, Leitner, did that make your list at all? It did not because I kind of thought you'd bring it up. So I wanted to go a Okay, direction. we can go to your number four. Number four. Could we ask the owner and the best player ever to bury the damn hatchet? Those two, Garnett and... Um, so you want KG's jersey in the rafters? I, I want KG to be a huge part of this. And I think that the faux pas of doing what they're doing is he's not been there in the locker room. He's not been there on the court. He's not been there motivating. His number's not in the rafter. All those things that Garnett yeah. could have been. I mean, the owner needs to be the bigger man here, and he's not. And I think that has impacted the Wolves over the past decade. I agree with you. When I think of Kevin Garnett, as much as I like the Celtics, they're my 1A after the Timberwolves, I don't think Kevin Garnett and some sort of Boston legacy. Yes, I get that they won it there, but there was a guy named Paul Pierce and a guy named Ray Allen, who will come up later, by the way, who certainly helped also. But Kevin Garnett has more of a legacy to him in Boston in terms of being part of what they do, Jersey retired, you know, basically anointed as one of them, more so than he is in Minnesota. And without Kevin Garnett, there is no Timberwolves. And yet, every single Timberwolves fan, not, there's, I'm sure there's some that don't, but most Timberwolves fan, he's the best Timberwolf, and it's not close. Absolutely. And the, so the fans want it, 
And so the anybody owner, who doesn't know that or doesn't think that is under the age of ten. I have to think the owner is the one who is causing this mess. So right. hey, owner, you've done a lot of really good things for the Timberwolves. This is dumb. Make it stop. It's ironic because I agree with you in that sense. But my number one, which we'll get to later, talks about the owner and it doesn't talk negatively. My number four is a backwards way of saying, what if they could have gotten Steph Curry? Because I'm not going to go that route, but I'm going to go roundabout and see if you figure it out. Because I'm going to say my number four is, what if Ricky Rubio joins this Timberwolves team the same year he was drafted? People love Ricky Rubio, and I get it. I disagree with it, but I get it. But people tend to forget that he didn't play here until two years after the selection. Like Kaprizov. I have to think, if they knew he was coming over immediately... They don't use three first-round picks, as dumb as David Kahn is and was. They don't use three first-round picks on three-point guards because it was Flynn, it was Ricky, and it was Felton. And that's three first-round picks at the same position. Nobody does that. Stupidity aside, I have to think if you're getting your main one, you're not drafting two more. And that's something that people need to remember. At the time, uh, Steph was coming out of a tiny little school. And yes, he was a really good basketball player. Right. Davidson didn't play anybody. And did they make a run? Yes. And was he the reason? Yes. But how many times have we seen a little school make a run and their best player turned out to be nothing? Now, he's five foot nine or five foot eleven or whatever he is, and skinny as a bone. And Rubio had been on ESPN since he was like twelve. And the Olympics. Right? Through the Olympics and everything. Right. So the fact that they drafted Rubio before uh Curry is not shocking to me. The problem is what you said. You can't draft yeah. Rubio. If, if Ricky's not coming immediately, coming. Johnny Flynn is not part of this. Right. Johnny Flynn gets a ton of heat, and I understand it, but it's not necessarily correct. It's it's the play after the play kind of thing. Just like Gary Anderson missed the kick, and I know that that's the problem, but you took a knee, you failed in overtime, you dropped an interception. There were so many things that could have prevented the finger from being exclusively pointed at one guy. Yeah, and Johnny Flynn was good until he got hurt. Like, he wasn't great, but he was good. I mean, if I remember, right, I the problem was it was don't working, blink. Yeah. And then he got hurt. Right, right, right. right. So that was my number four. What, what number are we even on for you? Are we number on three? three. Okay. Yep, number three, and you're going to be surprised by this one. Okay. The Timberwolves never hire Bill Musselman as their first head coach. I love Musselman. I have a theory. They would have been bad for longer and maybe drafted better if they wouldn't have had Bill Musselman. I think he took the expectations too high and they had to clean house because they weren't supposed to be mediocre so fast. That's that's my point. If Mussey's not there, they're drafting firsts and seconds, not sevenths and eighths. Because you're toiling with the Bill Blairs, the Sidney Lowe's, the Jimmy Rogers, all the terrible coaches that the Timberwolves have had. Yep, and Mussey um, got them to almost 500 with a team of castoffs. Uh, you know, all those guys that are seventh and eighths and NBA rotations. Well, if you give them a lot of minutes, some of them can play. And that's what he found out. Plus he played hard nose defense, but that team was average so fast that all they ever got a chance to draft was average. Right. <laughs> and they so, didn't get the opportunity to build right. by being in the and, one and two spot every year. And you know how much I enjoy Mussy. I just think he was the wrong coach to start that franchise. Right. It's one of those a league of their own lines. Why you got to be so good? That was Bill Musselman's problem. My number three is the first thing that actually took place on the court. My first two have been draft related. My number three is what if Sam Cassell never gets hurt in the Western Conference Finals? It probably could be higher. But I got to say, just like I said last week with the Vikings, if they win one of those four Super Bowls, even though they all happened before I was born. So there's certainly been a generation that wouldn't understand it. Just like there's a generation that doesn't understand that the Twins have won the championship twice. 
What if the Minnesota Timberwolves, at least in the past two decades, had made an NBA Finals appearance? I don't think they're yawned at or you know disregarded completely. And it's hard to say if Sam Cassell would have played, if they would have certainly taken down Kobe and Shaq, but they certainly weren't going to when you're playing Derek Martin big minutes instead. Yep, and that was my number one. Okay. My, no, my number one, if Sam doesn't get hurt, and, because that Timberwolves team, one, was rolling. And well, two, and if he doesn't get hurt and they win, what if he sticks around? Because the Marco Yarich trade probably can't be made at and, that point. And that may, have, that may be the trade that killed the franchise, by the way. Um, but the... Sam stays. That team was hotter than a pistol. They did have the players to match Shaq and Colby because we can't forget Sprewell was was on as well. Um, and I think they make a bigger run. But when he got hurt, that was like, as a Minnesota fan, it was, well, of course he got hurt. Right. Right. And so I think... That was Viking-esque luck yes, striking the Timberwolves. Yes, so that's actually my number one. All right. So we've only got your number two left. I've got my two and one. We'll start with your number two. Uh, this also goes to Mussy. Uh, and don't draft back-to-back lumbering seven-foot-tall centers. Who so we're can't talking shoot Luke Longley and, and Felton, Felton Spencer. Spencer. Okay. So they drafted Luke Longley instead of Stacy Ogman, like who both kind of had meh NBA yeah, but careers. Ogman in Ogman in a team that already had a big lumbering center, right? Would and he would have been a guy that was focused on rather than just a guy. Well, and the other piece is I said they both had mediocre NBA careers. Let's be honest. Luke Longley only ends up with a mediocre NBA career because he joined Jordan and Phil's triangle. If if Longley if Longley stays, him and Spencer are the same guy. The big lumbering center couldn't really score, couldn't really defend. Um, Luke Longley's claim to fame will be the first Australian playing in the NBA. So don't draft Luke Longley. Don't draft Felton Spencer, to and start don't with. draft him back to back. Right? Don't you know? Draft somebody other than the the guy who's built like an offensive tackle. You know, they talk about um, you know like Dwight Howard's built like a defensive end, right. or LeBron is built like a tight end. Yes. Yeah. Felton Spencer was built like an offensive tackle. He was he was seven feet tall, but he was about two sixty and and built like a rock. Right? Well, and the oddity again is or getting them wrestler. both getting them both essentially back to back is what makes it weird because to put it in because the NFL draft is talked about so much more. To put it in perspective, it would be like Quasey basically admitting that the Lewis scene draft pick didn't work and then going with his first round pick this year and getting another safety. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it what it would be like, except in that position, um, it would have been more like back to back middle linebacker. Right. Right. Where and you can so also, you can actually have multiple safeties. You're that's not gonna my, have that's my number two. When you you had a chance to draft a guy who could have been something except he went to a program that didn't value him. If you'd have had Mussy coaching Augman, who would have been a defensive stud. Maybe that team turns around faster. Absolutely. So we're continuing our what-if theory here over the next four weeks. This is week two. This is the Timberwolves' turn. The Twins will be next week, and the Wild will close the series. The Vikings kicked it off last week. My number two stems from something that you said last week on the air that stuck with me. Believe it or not, I do listen to you. Wow. But you said it's hard to do what-if with positivity. And my number two and number one actually both do that. Because my number two is what if the Timberwolves didn't draft Kevin Garnett? Because in that draft, taking a player from high school was simply unheard of. Unheard of. It was headline news that it was even going to be possible. Now, you look at some of the players in front of Kevin Garnett in that draft, and they were fairly good without question. Joe Smith still went number one, and newsflash, I'm going to talk about Joe Smith with the Timberwolves (laughs) at some point. The likes of Antonio McDice, who played seemingly everywhere. You know, there were good players, but we obviously as a nation didn't know high school basketball backwards and forwards like you can now. We knew college basketball. 
I remember how badly, and I said this to you on Tuesday night, how badly I wanted Ed O'Bannon in that draft. I didn't want Kevin Garnett. Thank you, Minnesota, for doing that. Yeah, 100%. And I remember sitting in a parking lot at Coburn's in Little Falls going, they drafted him. Of all the people they could have drafted, they drafted the the kid, the 19-year-old, and it was the right pick. Right. I mean, imagine where this franchise is without him. And I mean that in the literal sense. Because Back. my number one is what if Glenn Taylor didn't exist? Is he a great owner? No. But he kept this team in Minnesota. They could have been gone multiple times. Yep. And and the one time, if I remember right, they were putting stuff in the bus to go to uh, New, Orleans. New Orleans. Like right. it was a done deal. Right. And that's, if I remember right, that's actually the one Glenn Taylor, when he jumped in and bought the team, to yes. keep them out of New Orleans. I remember the day that happened because it was supposed to be a decision that afternoon. And if the Timberwolves didn't get something miraculously finished, they were going to New Orleans. I was playing pickup basketball in my driveway. My mom came out and interrupted anybody, everybody and said, some guy named Taylor bought the team. They're staying. And we all went, yeah, right. <laughs> but it was true. And I mean, think about what he's done for the Lynx and the Wolves. And, you know, Glenn Taylor has done a lot of negative things. I get it. But you know what? There is no basketball in Minnesota without him on the professional level. And there are some fans, heavy on the air quotes, who wouldn't mind that. But for those of us that love it, he's a bigger deal than we think. So here's my question. What bad has Glenn Taylor done besides not bury the hatchet with Garnett? Here's my here's my question. What he hasn't done is hasn't done anything, right? It's not negative stuff he's done. He's just done nothing. Well, I don't know how much the owner gets to say who the coach is. Right. So I don't know if I can pin this on him, but he brought David Kahn here. I can Good pin point. that on him. Yep, yep. He certainly has something to do with the general manager. I want to say time-wise, he has something to do with the Joe Smith debacle. Glenn Taylor was still That's in the picture, off on it. Yeah. I believe. Right. And if he has any say in who coaches his team, which again, I don't know the hierarchy well enough to truly know, but there are a lot of coaches that have been here that you go, why? You know, the, the, the Kurt Rambis era was, was ridiculous. People are going to be shocked if they've heard this show before that firing Dwayne Casey didn't make my list anywhere because you know how upset I was. That Dwayne Casey, talk about having a mediocre team at 500 and showing a guy the door, that was crazy to me too. I, I wonder if your mom would have come out and said, hey, some farmer from Mankato who owns a newspaper is the one who bought the, the Timberwolves and how your reaction would have been if it would have been any different because nobody knew Glenn Taylor and if they would have given you his his uh, list of accolades instead of the name if you'd have went like, okay, that person's making Well, it's too bad the timelines don't match up because if I would have heard from Mankato, I would have said, did you know that's where Adam Thielen played college football and he's from Detroit Lakes? Right, right. But those timelines don't match. So some of the honorable mentions that I went with, I'll do it from the bottom up. Number 10 was, what if Kevin Love never tries knuckle push-ups? Yep. I mean, it became a joke, but Kevin Love, healthy and in Minnesota, I don't know how much he wanted to be here, how much losing would have weighed on him. But man, he was becoming a good player here. My guess, somewhere on yours, and while you were talking, while we were talking, I was filling out some. Is what if Adelman's wife is still healthy? You know, I didn't put it on there, and I should have because, because that's Kevin Love's generation. Like that's that team, right? He had Love and Rubio, which we thought was going to be the next coming of Steph and KG. And until he got hurt, until Rubio got hurt in that season, it kind of was becoming that, right? Number nine for me, and I'm disappointed it's this low, but I had to remember that before they brought him back, they had dismissed him as well. What if Flip never got sick? Could yep. he have left his imprint on changing this team for the better? He never got the chance because of the illness, but it still disappoints me. The reason I put it so low is because the year after going to the Western Conference Finals where Spree needed to get his family fed and 
They underachieved with most of those star players back. They let Flip Saunders go in the middle of that season, which seemed ridiculous. Yep, totally reactive. The uh, the one positive one is what if they don't bring Kevin Garnett back? When they brought Kevin Garnett back, I thought it injected so much life. What's your in, favorite moment in Minnesota sports? It's Well, it's my favorite Timberwolves moment for yeah. sure. Um, and what if they wouldn't have, like it would have just gone down as another blah season instead it ended on a sharp note and, uh, you know, cat got to play with Garnett a little bit. Right. I'm not sure it helped because he could have used him another three years to teach him not to cry on the floor. But, um, you know, I think that was a huge deal. Well, KG may not have taught towns not to cry on the floor. You just would have heard a lot more MRFers if KG had anything to say about it. Pun fully intended. I talked about flip getting dismissed when the spree feeding his family, Whole debacle began. What if we actually paid him? What if Spree got to, quote, feed his family? I want to know what caviar they need for that kind of money. But Latrell Sprewell, as a basketball player, was one of my favorite Timberwolves ever. And don't blink, and he was gone. But what if you keep him? That's the kind of player you build around, and KG seemed to have a good relationship with. Better with Sam, but you got to keep one of them, and they both were gone. So here's this is a time you and I need to play Password, because the idea is a good one. I don't remember his name. What if Kevin Garnett's best friend doesn't die? Oh, uh, Malik Seeley. Malik Seeley. What if Malik Seeley stays uh, and the guy who was drinking doesn't drive the wrong way down the highway and hit and kill Malik Seeley? Because Gar- that's Garnett's guy. Yeah. Right? And he would have, I, I, I mean, those two would have brought it back. Yeah. The only reason I didn't put that a little bit higher is because that happened before Sam and Luttrell. And I've seen the KG documentary, if you will, that I think HBO does. And it sounds like Sam Cassell kind of elevated KG back to being KG from a personality standpoint. Like he got him out of that doldrums that the death of Seeley brought. So I think I'm regretting that, but I'm also regretting that the Marco Yarich trade didn't show up on either list. I also said, what if they would have hung on to Ray Allen? Because the Timberwolves actually drafted Ray Allen. He was a Timberwolf for about three minutes. And then they made the trade for Stephon Marbury. Now, nobody's going to say that Marbury was a bad Timberwolf player. Was he a bad Timberwolf? Maybe, because he had no desire to be here very long. There may not be a more revered talent that only played three seasons here, I believe. He's probably in the top five of all-time Timberwolves, which is an indictment on the franchise. But Ray Allen might be in the top five shooting guards ever. Uh, And the shooting guard was a struggle position for this team. Well, and the Curry family, the game of horse is pretty intense because his sons are in that top ten as well. So, well, if you're talking Del Curry and Steph and Seth, yes, but I'm yes. talking about Ray Allen. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Brain. See, yep. this is why I'm Brian Prudhomme. We are the Northland Sports Page. Hey, um, what about this one? So they brought Jimmy Butler in to try to teach Cat how to win, right? Okay, what if they would have brought somebody like Jimmy Butler in for J.R. Ryder? Yeah. Because Ryder could do anything on a basketball court. Can you imagine, and this is very facetious intentionally, can you imagine Jimmy Butler and Christian Leitner on the same floor? Christian Leitner might have died from an anxiety attack, and I'm not saying that that's something that can be ridiculed, but Christian Leitner, I'd love to know how he functioned on the Dream Team with those alphas. Jimmy Butler might be worse. Well, just think about, um, we're going to talk to Rick here in a little bit and his interaction with KG. I'll bet you it'd be close to that if Leitner and Butler were on the same team. Yeah, we do have Rick Rickard coming at 1125. Dave Hoops will be next. And in between, we've got the high school battle du jour in Section 74A. Denfeld hosting Hermantown. Mike Zagelmeyer of Hermantown will join us at about 10.50. Eric Lofeld of Denfeld at about 5 after 11. That's going to be a knock-em-out, drag-out type fight. Yeah, nope. I think this is going to be a lot of fun, especially considering they played two weeks ago, and it was a tight, tight battle. 
31-29 Denfeld in that one, so it should be a great day of football. My number six, my honorable mentions were Kevin Love, knuckle push-ups, flips illness, paying Sprewell, keeping Ray Allen, and we don't talk about the Timberwolves correctly if we don't mention this. My number six, it didn't quite make the top five because the Western Conference final season came almost immediately after. But what if this team just let Joe Smith walk away? What was the infatuation with Joe Smith? It's almost like if you're going to cheat, at least be good at it. You know, the Houston Astros did their thing, but by golly, they won the World Series as a result. Barry Bonds cheated, steroids, what have you, but he's got the home run record. I laugh at players like Juan Rincon, who got caught using steroids, and as a reliever, I'm like, you still stunk. <laughs> so the Timberwolves cheated to keep a contract to keep a player, and I realized he was a former number one, but so was Anthony Bennett. So was Michael Olowokandi. Why do we get all the wrong number ones? Joe Smith was an average NBA player at best. I would have rather had the Maryland Terrapins, Joe Smith. Let him walk away. Hey, yeah, no, I agree with that. Here's a question for you. How is it that the Minnesota sports winter programs uh, seem to set the standard on punishments? So, like, Joe Smith was signed, you know, there was some tampering and stuff going on. They were charged three first-round draft picks for that mistake. Now, the general manager and coach would be suspended for, like, six months. Right. The 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 wild get five years of carry of of Parisi's and Suter's contract. Well, they changed that like two years later. But hey, you know, Minnesota, sorry about that. You're you got your thing. You're gonna be stuck with it. Well, if you want to go further, remember when the Vikings lost to New Orleans in the NFC championship in overtime and never touched the ball? Hey, you know what? Good games should have both teams touching the ball. We'll change that rule right after Minnesota suffers as well. Yep. Minnesota suffering, that's been synonymous with the Minnesota Timberwolves, but that was a fun what if. I'll tell you what, my friends at Crooked Point, if they're listening, they want to know what if Brian would have mentioned Tom Gugliotta. They know that's one of my favorites. I had to work him in there at least. Dave Hoops is next. We're the Northland Sports Page. Stick around. We'll be right back. Back on the Northland Sports Page, Brian Prudhomme and what I promise is not Dave Cook's maiden voyage in radio. I just had to teach him some things there during the commercial break. But we are with you each you and every Saturday talking. from 10 a.m. to noon. Yes, I told you I was going to start the segment now, and you were still reading a list of Timberwolves first-round picks. And you said, yeah, go ahead. I said, but you realize you have to start you know, talking about radio and stop talking in general because your mic's going to be on. He said, oh, yeah, that's right. So I'll give you the mic right now because you're going to give love to our sponsors that let us be here every Saturday for almost six years. Are you ready? I am. Oh, boy. Happy birthday to our first sponsor. Happy birthday to Ryan Arola. Yeah. Happy birthday, our very first sponsor. Gentleman turned 42 yesterday. Happy 42 big ones to Arola Architecture Studio founder, Ryan Arola. Absolutely. Hoops Brewing, we're going to talk to Dave in a second. OAR Holdings, Krauss Heating and Cooling, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza, the Blackwoods Group, including their locations on London Road, in Proctor and into Harbors, downtown at Blackwater, and on the hill at Tavern on the Hill. Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's, Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota, Kohler Hyundai, and Comfort Systems of Duluth. Absolutely very, very thankful for each of those sponsors. Kohler Hyundai on a Saturday, hard to go wrong with them. Kohler Toyota as well. And they sponsor Time for Two More, which will be tomorrow after the border battle. Bikes and Packers, Dave Hoops of Hoops Brewing. He sponsors that show as well. He's always a dual threat. In fact, even more when it comes to talking sports. So we say good morning to him. Dave Hoops, how are you this Saturday, sir? I am good. Uh, How are you guys? Doing well, doing well. So what do you think of the What If segment? You've heard the Vikings won last week and now the Timberwolves this week. Now, What If doesn't exactly jive with the ray of sunshine that is you. You're always the optimist that just moves on. 
but sometimes it's fun to look back and you've said we're so close we're so close a couple breaks here a couple breaks there the minnesota sports mantra is glaringly different it's true um and you know and by the way i called that win last week just you know FYI. The Vikes over and the Niners, the, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. Actually, the three of us did. It, it made Dave and I just puzzling that we both were picking them, too. So positivity reigns supreme, at least for that one. Yeah. And, you know, this week, you know, four and four we're looking at. Yes, I, I think we're close in a lot of ways. And, you know, the Knicks six games, there's really no reason not to win them all. But they're going to find a way. But it's a really nice lineup, the Knicks six games, with two national games. Don't I tell mean, Dave's no. thinking that. It is... A very, very friendly schedule. And quite frankly, that's what scares me because maybe I'm just too seasoned in Minnesota sports disappointment because I'm with you. The Vikings should win tomorrow and should win a lot of games coming up. But if they really want to prove that this team is turning a corner from a horrendous start, you've got to win tomorrow because if you come off this big Monday night win over San Francisco, yes, a banged up San Francisco, I get that. But it's still a win over a very good, very physical team if you want to prove to your fan base and to the entire league that that wasn't a one-off, you can't lay an egg tomorrow. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. And it should be a fun game. And, you know, and I'm not really sold on love so much. And um, what are the bikes blitzing 60% of the time or right. some ridiculous number? Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. It'd be great. Absolutely. The one thing that I found most interesting in the San Francisco game afterwards is the Vikings offensive line absolutely manhandled a San Francisco defensive line that wasn't hurt. Like that was the A group, and I thought that was going to be the biggest difference, and it turned out it was, just not the way I thought it was going to be. I agree with you, and I'm interested to see what Dave Hoops has to say about this too because there are different facets of the game that was won by the Vikings, but it was, yeah, okay, but they didn't have this guy or this guy wasn't 100% because – the Vikings didn't run the ball particularly well, but I thought they ran it better than San Francisco because that was CMC at maybe 70%. The Vikings defense got to create some turnovers, got into Brock Purdy a little bit, and you could say, well, Trent Williams was out. Yeah, that's a big one. You know, Brock Purdy didn't have Nookie Blanky and Debo Samuel, but the one area, and Dave Cook just hit on it, in the trenches where San Francisco usually wins is getting to the quarterback. And Kirk Cousins not only had a clean pocket, he had a clean uniform after the game because he was not sacked once. Dave Hoops, this offensive line actually turned the corner? I think so. I, I do. And it was fun because we were talking about what are the chances they'll turn it over on their first drive? Well, they're super high. And we know what happened, right? But um, what's going to continue to happen is that the defense is coming together. The offensive line is playing really well. The Packers give up touchdowns on the on the uh, ground. And, you know, as you know, the Vikings haven't scored one. So uh, it's a pretty easy prediction that I think we'll see maybe even two running touchdowns this week off of really good offensive line work. Um, you know, I, I don't know which guy is going to get it. Maybe Cam. I was going to say, that's the thing. Off, the Vikings but, make yeah. it tough for fantasy football players because it could be Alexander Madison. It could be Cam Akers. It would be the first rushing touchdowns of the Vikings season. They don't have any. That's surprising. Yeah, 16 TDs with not one as a touchdown. Okay, that's fine. It, it doesn't really matter if you win games. But I, I do think this week there'll be a little bit more down and dirty football played. Uh, uh, Kirk still throws, throws for 300, I, I imagine. But then we're just so close. When does J.J. come back? Do you guys know? It's really close. It, could right? be f- it was four to six weeks when he first went on IR. IR requires a minimum of four. I believe this will be his third game missed come tomorrow. So right. technically there'd still be at least one more. I'm not sure how many there will be. 
Certainly you don't want to rush him back, but if this team ends up in the thick of things, because when we woke up, what was it, yesterday morning, because of the Thursday night results, the Vikings, as laughable as this might seem, currently are in the final wildcard spot in the NFC. So here's a question, gentlemen. Uh, My guy, Jir Alexander, might be back. If he's back and he takes Addison, because he is probably the best cornerback in our division, um, where do we get our yards from? Is Hawkinson going to have to go bananas? I think you found a secret weapon that might not be so secret anymore in Brandon Powell on Monday night. I thought he was very good. I don't think K.J. Osborne is as good as we hoped this year, but he didn't disappear. He's come back without J.J. And yes, T.J. Hawkinson, as long as he decides not to have hands of stone, should be fine. He was good on Monday night. Dave Hoops, your thoughts? He was great, you know, um, and he's very capable. And and I I do think K.J. is due for a touchdown. Um uh, I don't. I, I think we need to use our running backs in a yes. lot more short game, and and that's there. They can both catch the ball pretty well. So I think we need to see more of that. You know, like play action passing. You know, give him time and and then get Addison. He's got sixty days. These guys, it's unbelievable. It's it makes me pretty happy. The other thing is listening to Dave Sinekin before us as casually as I do that because he talks more about the Packers than I ever want to. I don't think Jair Alexander will play tomorrow. We'll see. But obviously, if he doesn't, that changes a lot. It does, truly. Speaking of changes, we're going to make some changes to the Dave Hoops segment today because we're going to go ahead and play buy or sell. We're going to do it with you. And what we do is we make a statement with each of the four major leagues, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB. And what we do is if you agree, you say buy and you tell me why. And if you disagree, you say sell and you tell me why. Since we're talking NFL, I'd like to go ahead and start there because I think this question just proves timely. So buy or sell this. With both of these teams having losing records, the Viking-Packer rivalry means a little less to you tomorrow. Oh, I'm selling that. No way. Um, it, it, it's a, there's no spread. It's, it's level pegging. It's 42 points, which I think it's going to score higher than that. And, you know, I'm not a Packer hater like so many people I know. But that's what do you mean? Why, why are you talking right to me when you say that? Go ahead. Well, you know, the I know, I know, but um, um, we need to win both those games. Uh, those Packer games are crucial for a playoff run. And um, it means all kinds. I, we're not going to ever be, you know, buying that there's no rivalry there. No, I'm selling. I, I think I'm selling as well, Brian, but for, I agree with Dave that I'm not truly a Packer hater. I'm a Packer disinterested, but I'm not a Packer hater. And for my life, right, so starting when Green Bay wasn't any good. Right, um, same here. Kind of my mind, the rival is Dallas, right? Because, But when I was a kid growing up, it was always Dallas. Sure. And so, so you've never gotten over the Drew Pearson mantra. But neither did Dad or Grandpa, right. so that's how I learned, right? And so I, I, the fact that they're both under 500, this game is still meaningful, uh, and I suppose it's still our rival. So, but... But in the big picture, does it matter as much? Nah. So I'm going to sell as well. And here's the thing. So I come up with buy or sell for the week as quick as I can. Some of them wait until the night before. Others start right after we get off the air with the previous show. And I'll be honest. I was ready to ask this question before the Vikings beat San Francisco. And if they hadn't, and let's say the Vikings are 2-5 and five and Green Bay's 2-4, and four, I'm buying that, my goodness, who cares? This is toilet bowl-esque. But so I've been labeled of the three of us, the Packer hater, and that's fine. But I think my hatred is more about the behavior of their fans during the football season. And I'll stress during the football season, because I got plenty of friends 
who like the Packers, who are great friends, but I kind of tune them out from September to February. One thing this year with both teams being poor is we haven't heard much from mm-hmm. Packer country at all. I guarantee you if the Vikings do lay an egg at Lambeau tomorrow, suddenly we're going to. And a team that's not very good called the Packers will have beaten a team that isn't good yet called the Vikings, but they'll talk about their Super Bowl trophy case Sunday at 3.30. So I'm buying it means a lot because we're back in the playoff picture and keep that other side of the bridge pretty quiet. Dave Hoops, what league would you like to go to next? NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball? Let's do baseball. All right. So the World Series started last night. And Adolis Garcia just continues to basically win playoff games by himself. But, of course, the league is worried about Arizona and Texas. Who's paying attention? Buy or sell, this matchup is good for the game and its fans. I'm going to buy that because um, it's getting cold here and there's snow on the ground outside. And this is a nice warm weather World Series. Okay, I like that personally. And let's face it, you know, Texas is an interesting story. Um, and But Arizona, we have a lot of people with eyes on Arizona that have transferred there. There are snowbirds that, you know, my brother-in-law just moved there. All of a sudden, that 84-team uh, win team is in there. Um, I'm not as captivated as I could be, but, you know, I'm not a casual fan right. that I'm watching. So I think we'll get some eyeballs on it. I, I'll buy it because it's still the World Series. I'm going to sell. I don't. I don't think it's good for the game at all. Um, I think that most casual baseball fans could name two players in this playoff. And they're both, one's a pitcher for Texas and one's a shortstop for Texas. And so there's no draw. It's amazing that you said that, and I'll let you continue in a moment. But last night after the player intros, I got a text from my mom who loves the sport, just like I do. But I love certain teams more than others. So did I pay big time attention? No, I didn't. But I got a text last night after the player intros, and she said, well, now I've met the rosters, and I think I know two of them. Yep. So go ahead. It's Scherzer, it's Seeger, <laughs> and if you're a Twins fan, it's Garver. Yep. Um, and but there's no reason. I mean, there's no Aaron Judge. There's no Mookie Betts. There's there's no Verlander pitching game one, right? Um, and because Scherzer's been a shell of himself, and so I don't think there's a draw. Now, is it is it helpful in Texas? Yes, I think that I think the Rangers in Texas with Houston being there and that big battle now the whole state can rally around one team. I think it's great for them. I think it's great for the Southwest. I don't think the rest of the the country's paying attention. Right. I'm going to sell as well. I don't think it's good for the game, even though I appreciate both these teams being here because a lot of teams that I don't like much didn't get very far. And that's normally a good thing. But at the same time, if my favorite team isn't in it, usually and judge me accordingly, I need a villain to cheer against in order to pay attention. There is no... High-level love, there is no high-level hate for either of these two teams. And the other direction I'm going to go is kind of what Dave Hoop said. A lot of the Phoenix area market are snowbirds. I don't think that they're passionate about Diamondbacks baseball. So I'm appreciating both these teams being here, but I don't think it's good for the game very much. I think what you said is exactly my point. You and I have talked about this forever, and it is the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Right. And so I think that's the problem. Not very many teams, Not nobody really hates these two teams. Nobody really loves this team, but there's we've a whole done, lot of indifference. We've done segments before about what teams in the four major sports leagues could disappear and you might not notice. I got a feeling in baseball we have two of them going for the crown jewel of the sport. Yep. You wouldn't notice if the Rangers didn't exist. You probably wouldn't notice if the Diamondbacks didn't exist. All right, Dave, the NBA and the NHL remain. Mr. Hoops, where are we going next? NBA, please. All right. 
So we kind of touched on this with the opening topic being what if Timberwolf style today, but it's only one game into 82. But the performance on Wednesday, buy or sell that you're of the belief that this is the same old Timberwolves. Oh, I, I can't buy that. I, I have to sell that because it's one game. You guys already said it, you know, and, and uh, we've got to take a look at what is going to come down. The, the Ask me that question on game 20. Right yep. now, I'm, I'm selling that. That's, I agree. That's about all I have on that one. Yeah. So Dave's 100% correct on his answer, but, but here's the thing. What we saw in game one, that was the same old Timberwolves, but we can't extrapolate one game over a season. So in game one, that sure looked off. But let's talk about it after game 20. Right. I'm going to sell as well, but I'll take a different angle. In fact, I'll take a couple of them. Jaden didn't play. I've said repeatedly that he's probably going to be the most important, not the best, but maybe the most important X factor that this team has. Haven't seen him yet. The other thing that I didn't know until tip off because the TV broadcast touched on it probably 27 times throughout the broadcast, but we all knew about the twins length of playoff losing streak and how long it was. I had no idea that the Timberwolves losing streak in Toronto was of the same level. I believe they reached 20 by losing again. So at what point do you just say, just like we say on high school football games, maybe this team just matches up well. Maybe there's just a house of horrors where no matter the records, no matter the roster, this team can't go and win. So they opened in Toronto, didn't know that they had not won there until I was in my 20s. So you just go ahead and say, well, okay, they weren't going to get that one. Now it's very possible that they go 0-2 because I think on paper Miami's better than they are. How quickly do we panic if this Timberwolves team is struggling to find the win column? It depends on on how. Like right. if, if they are a if they are a clown show, uh, I think you can panic fairly quickly because they are the ones who zigged when everybody zagged and went with the big lineup. And if it proves everybody else was right, I mean, I think we can start to worry then because we don't have any draft capital. Speaking of zag, we got to get to Mike Zagelmeyer here shortly, but let's close with the NHL. Pretty depressing times for Dave Hoops being a Sharks fan and for Minnesota Wild fans trying to find consistency. But while the records aren't one player that has, seems to be Marco Rossi. Buy or sell that based on this past week, you're convinced this kid's figured something out. I'm going to buy that. I, I really do. I, I like that. Uh, I like his game. I like the opportunity and the potential. And by the way, let's just backtrack for two seconds. So we're going to end up back in our door into Celebrini, and it's already going to be the the whole you know uh, number one pick draft thing all over again because the Sharks are terrible. So yeah, let's just right. I was going to say you swung and missed on Bedard, so you're going for the number one pick already. I don't mind that theory. Dave, you've been uh, one of the kids when it comes to NHL draft following Marco's prognosis right now. Yeah, I think he's figured something out. I do too. So, yeah, I'm going to go there because I know we're short on time. Absolutely. Short on time. We've talked sports, but we haven't talked beer with the sports brewer, Dave Hoops. Tell us what's going on down at the brewery because it's a good place to be anytime. Oh, sorry. I lost you for two seconds. Yeah, yeah. we we heard that. We panicked, but here you are. Go ahead. Yep, everything's great at the brewery. Um, you know, we've got uh, 48 IPA back, which is a big fan for certain groups. Uh, Rink Rat, Hefeweizen, um, upcoming the Makers Market. And then remember on Sundays, guys, if you wear, and girls, if you wear a jersey, any jersey, we give you a free beer. That's something to keep in mind. Absolutely so, cannot go wrong with that. Tonight. Yeah. Exactly. All right, give me a score real quick for tomorrow. I know you got the purple, but by how much? 24-20. Tight game, win by just over a field goal. All right, you heard it here first. Dave Hoops, I love your optimism. We love you each and every Saturday. We'll talk to you again next week.
Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Absolutely. That's our guy, Dave. Oops, might be getting cold outside, but the brewery inside, a great place to be. We talked to Mike Zagelmeyer next. Oh, there's a big one. Hermantown and Denfeld High School playoff football. Stick around. We'll be right back. Back on the Northland Sports page, Sugar Ray with a little fly as the Hermantown Hawks hope to fly into the western part of Duluth and get out of Duluth Denfeld's home stadium with a semifinal victory. Will be a good one that we'll have right on these airwaves. Kickoff at 2 o'clock today. It's going to be myself and John Carlson on the call. And we love to do pregame shows before the game, but we knew, Dave Cook, you weren't going to be part of today. So let's do a pregame show right now. We're going to talk to both coaches. That sounds like a great thing. Yeah, I'll be doing volleyball, then hockey. I'm sad to miss this one because we had a chance to see this game when there was less money on the table. Now all the money's on the table. It should be fun. So we start with the visiting team. You probably knew that with the fly bumper music. So we go to Mike Zagelmeyer, head coach of Hermantown. Zags, good morning. How are we doing on this playoff semifinal Saturday? Ah, doing well. Looking forward to this 2 o'clock tilt for sure. Yep, It's going to be a great one for the area, but let's talk about what your teams had to go through by not getting that bye. Of course, you played Denfeld at Hermantown last Wednesday, but you're on your third game in 10 days. How difficult is that? I know they're kids, but there's still some banged up kids on your roster. How tough is this? 10 days, three games is usually unheard of. Yeah, you know, there's two ways you can look at it. Obviously, anytime you play a football game in high school, you're going to get dinged or somebody's going to get banged up a little bit. At the same time, we hope that maybe too much time off might affect Denfeld. You never know. I know it affected us a little bit last year, we thought. And uh, you never know how kids react in a situation like this. So, you, you know, you try to get them prepared as best you can in a short amount of time. But I think it helps us playing Denfeld in that last regular season game. Uh, but you, you put it in the kids' hands. Um, there's not a lot of X's and O's to talk about this time of year, and um, you hope they come ready to play, and I think we will be. Yeah, Coach, Rockridge threw a few things at you that I think will really help. I mean, but the one thing I wanted to ask uh, is the battle of the quarterbacks, right? Because your quarterback shot, Brian and I both really enjoy watching him play. The quarterback for Denfeld always, uh, you know, they, they have such a power running game. Is there anything you learned – last week against, well, against Enfeld, and frankly, against Rock Ridge with your passing attack or pass rush or your defensive line linebacker mix that you can utilize then today? You know, I, I think it all goes back to how we played against Denfeld. You know, I, 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 I think they're two different teams when you talk Rock Ridge and you talk Denfeld. Um, we got to stop Tay. Uh, he's a great running back. Uh, I think that's where today's game centers around for us defensively. Um, you know, and as far as offensively, anytime you get more reps, I mean, the more Alex sees different things and different approaches, that, obviously that's a plus. But uh, for us, I think the game centers around us stopping the Denfeld running attack for sure. I think it certainly does as well. Zags, we just bumped out of the last segment with Baby It's Cold Outside because the temperatures have dipped quite a bit in the area, more so than the rest of, you know, let's say summer and fall has done. That usually favors a running game. Are you going to try to be even more balanced today, do you think, or is it – hey, Alex Schott's one of our best players. We're going to take our shots, no pun intended. Yeah, I, I, we can't change who we are. I, I've always believed, I mean, I, as you form your season and as you move through the season, all of a sudden you can't shift gears and become something that you're not. Um, and I would expect Denzel to probably approach it the same way. We'll see what happens. But uh, we are who we are, and now it's time to put the chips on the table. So this was a great game back during MEA week on that Wednesday. Obviously, it's only been 10 days, and the only major change, if you will, and I hesitate to use the word major, which is where my question comes from, but the only major change is the venue. But when that road trip is 10 minutes, does Homer Visitor mean anything today? You know what? I, I can only relate what it's like as a coach and when I played, which is eons ago. But, you know, once the, you know, once the ball's kicked off, 
what happens between uh, inside the helmet is all that matters and everything else gets pretty much shut out. Um, I, I think it, again, it, it comes down to our execution. Um, obviously, uh, you know, we can talk coach speak as much as you want, but we can't turn the ball over. We can't have stupid penalties and um, you know, everything will be between the white lines the rest of the day. Say, Coach, we talked about Tayman just a second ago. You mentioned him. I want to talk about your guy. I thought Thorsten looked really good against Denfeld, or excuse me, against Rock Ridge. He looked pretty good against Denfeld. But against Rock Ridge, and we know he was a little bit dinged up. Tell us a little bit about Thorsten and how your running backs can match up with Denfeld. Yeah, you know, Zach does a real nice job. He, ch- he provides a change of pace. Our, our fullback is different than our, our halfback. I think Zach is pretty elusive at times. Um, he's done a real nice job, especially for a kid that's going both ways, both on the defensive side and the offensive side. He's a hard-nosed kid. Uh, football is his thing. You know, in Hermantown, we have multiple sport athletes, but, you know, everybody has their favorite. and He's a football guy. And, um, yeah, he's done a great job for us. He's good in the passing game. We expect a ton out of that kid. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's one of our team captains, somebody that I've been very proud of to see him as he's matriculated through the through the program, he, he he's a he's quite the kid. You talked about having to stop Tay Mans, and you talked about your defense and how good they were in Tuesday's win over Rock Ridge. In fact, I think the News Tribune article talked about the linebackers really being the driving force behind the whole thing. What is the true key to stopping Tay Mans? I don't think it can be. We got to send eleven guys at this kid. Although at times it looks like that's what needs to happen. But is it simple as gang tackling? Is it spying him at all times? What's the strategy piece? Well, um, you got to be able to get to the ball, so it should look like 11 guys getting to him as much as possible. The danger with Tay is if your linebacker's over scrape and he's got a nice cutback game to his approach. So while he might, you know, while the flow might be going somewhere with the linemen and the rest of the offensive line, uh, it only takes one cut for him to go against the grain. And if your linebackers are over scraping, then you're gonna you're gonna have a problem with him. And it, it happened twice in the game against us. Um, you know, you got your our linebackers are 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 very, how should I say it, zealous. They want to get, they want to get after you. And we've just got to be a little bit more calm as far as making sure that we are preventing any cutback or counter plays against them. So we've talked about Denfeld's world-class running game, mainly with Tay Manns, but it doesn't stop there with the likes of Deshaun Moore, Daquan Moore, and even to a certain extent, Luke Pearson. I want to talk about your talent on offense as well. They've already mentioned Thorsten, but I want to talk about Peyton Menzel. He was battling some injury issues throughout Tuesday, and you're going to need more than just him if it's going to be an aerial attack today. How much, I don't want to say pressure, but how much emphasis is put on people like Brody Summers and Cale Smith understanding what they need to do as well? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I, again, we have to be well-balanced. Uh, we talked earlier about being well-balanced in the, in the pass game versus the run game, but when we pass, it's got to be well-balanced. And what I mean by that is make sure we got to spread it out uh, it can't just be the Peyton Menzel show. I mean, he, obviously, he's he's one of our best players. Um, but Kale and Brody have to have to come up huge for us today. Uh, it, it it we have to spread it around and keep them guessing, and um, that that's part of the game plan for sure. So part of the game plan might be Martin Sleen, and I bring that up because on Tuesday <laughs> I thought yes. he had a great game, and I realized well this kid's a freshman. And at first blush, my first thought was. Who in the heck is Martin Sleen? And do your best as a play-by-play guy not to call him Martin Sheen. But what secret weapon do you have that could be an unsung hero here? Again, uh, you know, there's really nothing that we haven't done in the past. You know, I don't know how you want to count this now. Is it week 10 now? Um, right. That is going to surprise anybody. Um, you know, we had we had River go down a couple weeks ago, and it's got to be next man up. So if Martin can help us today, great. Otherwise, we got to have – it's going to start and end 
Brian, I believe, with our seniors. Uh, we've got 15 of them on our team. Um, I can't count on a freshman to be the difference maker in a in a section semifinal game. It's got to it's got to come from your senior leadership, and um, you know there is no tomorrow if we don't win. So, Coach, last when you played Brockridge the other day, Brian and I did, of course, our three star show, and we we got stuck with our second star, which we finally said is your defensive line and linebackers, and you talked a little bit about them. But we we had a chance, really, for the first time as announcers, to talk about Mason Humphreys and Ryder Rosidlo and Jaros, who all played really, really well. Can you tell us a little bit about the guys in the trenches and the linebackers that that you're going to bring the bear today? Yeah, you know, with, with Jack and with Mason, they do a great job. They get double teamed a, a ton, and that's kind of our de- defensive concepts out there. Is that hey, you tie up their offensive line, and it allows our linebackers who. You know, all four of them are, are, are seniors. It allows them to flow and make the play. So um, you, you cannot, at least in my opinion, it, it's a tough, tough assignment for a lineman to block Jaros or Humphreys one-on-one um, without having real problems in the backfield. So um, for them to, to keep those offensive linemen busy with a double team, again, it, it allows, you know, they get all the press because they make all the tackles, but our, our linebacking core can go ahead and do their job and make, make the plays and make the tackles. So we're talking with Mike Zagelmeyer, his team preparing for Duluth-Denfeld at Duluth-Denfeld in a Section 7-4A semifinal. Kickoff at 2 o'clock. Again, it'll be right here on these airwaves. It'll be myself with John Carlson today. But, Mike, we talked about the physical aspect of three games in 10 days. I want to talk about the mental aspect. This is obviously pegged as a revenge game. What has practice been like? What's the mentality of your team right now? They want to play. Uh, we, we want to get back out there. We want to play. Um, I know it's I know it's a short time since last Wednesday with the game stuck in between, but our guys want to play. It's going to be physical for sure, um, but we want another shot for sure. So my other question is this, when it comes to health of your team defensively and the way that they operate as a result, Connor Fury has been one of those kids that's been banged up too, but he's been making you know big-time shiny plays, if you will, on the defensive end. It's different playing Rockridge versus Denfeld. Obviously, it was the blitz getting to Tolman and really making a rough day for a quarterback. How do you incorporate that same aggressiveness, but against a team who likes to run? Are we are we run blitzing all day? Is it that simple? You know, I, I think at this time of year, everybody's banged up somewhat. And um, I think Connor, um, he, he he's one heck of a defensive player for us. Um, without getting too much into any game plans or anything like that, um, I, I just really think that he's really excited. The blood is flowing in his body right now. And uh, no matter no matter how many dings or bruises or always that we've got, uh, they want to get on the field and get to the football as fast as they can. I can understand not getting too deep into the game plan because Eric Lofold is probably listening because he's on this show in a matter of minutes. But I want to close with this when it comes to talking about both of you because today's game is great for the area, an area that maybe outside of your team in ESCO over the last few years – has been starved for some good 11-man football in northeastern Minnesota. Today is kind of a spotlight on look how good both these teams are. How much respect is there between the two coaching staffs and as a result, the two programs? You know, I have a ton of respect for Denfeld and, and even Coach Lofeld for, for that matter because here's the deal. I mean, they've had some, some dry moments in the past few years, and it's very rewarding as a coach to be able to, you know, start with, you know, a lot of struggling in your program and then being able to turn it around and have a season like, like he's had this year, that speaks to, that speaks to him as a coach and their program. So again, the challenge is up, um, all the credit to them this season, but, uh, 
we uh, we hopefully we're the one that's moving on on to uh, Friday. Zags, I always appreciate the time. We will see you in a few hours. It's going to be a barn burner today. Thanks for taking some time this morning. Good luck this afternoon. All right. Thanks for all you do for high school football, Brian, and high school sports. Thanks a lot. It is a joy. Thank you, Mike Zagelmeyer. That is coach number one of the two-team battle. Hermantown is the visitor. They're visiting Duluth Denfell. We talked to their coach, Eric Lofal, to start hour two with the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. Stick around. We'll be right back.